everybody. Welcome to the Rain City Podcast, hosted by Steve Kim. And I am your producer, Josh. It's my pleasure to kick us off on our first podcast. This is a new initiative by Rain City Ministries. And we're here to address uh, and, and speak to a variety of people and better understand the perspective. So today we have Becca Ho and Joyce Liu to join us. So you guys want to say, well, for Steve, you want to say hi? Oh, man, you got to let the let the ladies introduce okay. themselves first. All right. All right. Um, hi, I'm Becca. I am from Toronto, recently moved to Vancouver. All right. Joined Rain City, loving it so far. Yay. West Coast. East Coast. I'm from <laughs> Toronto, so that's why I, I have a special place for Becca in my heart. Oh, thanks, Steve. Hey, um, I'm Joyce. I'm relatively new to Rain City, but I grew up in Kelowna, BC, and moved over here for university and have been trying to find um, finding my purpose in my life here in Vancouver. That's awesome. That's a great intro. That's exactly what we're talking about today. Perfect. So, good. so I think we're going to cover a large series about the millennial generation. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we want to do to kick us off with this podcast is really understand the worldview of the millennial generation, uh, the lifestyles, ideologies, how do we define their faith? So um, so we are basing this talk on, we have a study, it's uh, the Barnum, Barnum Report? Barna. Barna, Barna Report. And very interesting, I was reading about it, and millennials are defined from those who were born from 1984 to 2002, which covers an 18-year gap. That's pretty big. Um, so that, that you know, I, I fit in that demographic. Uh, it's very interesting. So that's basically if you are from, if you're 20 to age 38, I believe, uh, you would be considered a millennial. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, but let's start with that. It's very interesting. I mean, we had the Gen X. I remember when we were considered Gen Y, and then now we were called millennials, and then mm -hmm. we have Gen Z, so that I find that pretty interesting. Well, the reason I wanted to study, I wanted to talk about this is um, because I'm old. <laughs> well, my wife says, don't say you're old, but I, we are 50, and we're... And my, Gen X. My, and my wife said, don't tell people how old we are. <laughs> Hello, world, <laughs> we're 50. <laughs> but, um, so we started this church, I... I'm currently a faculty member at Trinity Western, and then we never thought we would plant another church after um, 23 years of ministry. Um, most of the, many of that, all of that in Vancouver, and I also did four years of ministry in uh, California. So this is like our third. This will be our third church plant, Rain City Ministries. And the reason we started it was, I mean, God called us, obviously, but. We really wanted our children to have a place. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter's not a millennial, but she's really close. And mm -hmm. my son is a total typical millennial. <laughs> and uh, and I don't. I, that's what I'm here for. I'm like, I'm generalizing. I don't know what mm -hmm. people think. And so I really like the study that outlines some of the ways they they think. And we planted this church, and never thought that we would plant it with. Uh, with a few millennials, and then all of a sudden, we our church is, I think, 99% millennials. Mm -hmm. And so, it's it's kind of for my wife and I. We we aren't we we're starting to see that 
oh, our worldview and the way we think about things, and we can talk about what worldview is, and mm -hmm. my value system is not the same. Yeah. We're all Christians, but they don't think like us. Mm -hmm. And why are they here <laughs> listening to this guy speak? And I have to, like, cut it down to, I used to preach for, like, 45 an hour. Now I got I, I got to, like, really work hard. I must be an amazing preacher because they, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But they stay alert for at least 30 minutes, which is long for a millennial, I heard. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that, Becca? I feel Joyce? like, well, I feel like we definitely love hearing you speak, Steve, because oh, your you. view is different than like what we've known and learned growing up. So I feel like we pay attention because we're like, whoa, like what is this? Like speaking such truth that like we know is based on the Bible too. Mm -hmm. And it really feels like God's like speaking directly to us. Like that's what I always say when you speak. Like I feel like through your words, he's like speaking to me. Oh, that's amazing. That's what every pastor wants to hear, <laughs> Becca. <laughs> you ri risen to the top of my favorite list. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a long favorite list, so I've heard. I know I, everybody, I tell everybody their favorites. It's like, yeah, so I want, I, I want to do this because I really want to understand the mind of uh, young people mm -hmm. to really better engage with them. But I also feel like I'm not trying to placate um, their beliefs and like understand them so I can be their friends for per se, I'm too old for that. I want to understand them and then challenge their worldviews. That's my purpose in doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and I do feel like th uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of suffering that they're undergoing and there's a facade of like, I have it together. Mm -hmm. But then what I'm noticing is that there is an underbelly of, there's a current of underbelly that's like, of emotional turmoil and mental distress is raging internally. Mm -hmm. The more I, more I interact with these young people, I, I just think there's a mm -hmm. lot of issues going on there. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I want to get to the mind of young people. And so we have this study and we have these young, brilliant minds <laughs> that are here to like educate us. What Share do you your think? What, what, you, what is your worldview? So, Joyce, you read you read this study, or and you you had some thoughts, or what? Are, what are your thoughts about what I just said? Um, yeah, I just first want to say, like, I really appreciate, um, yeah, giving the younger generation a voice, and also coming from a place of wanting to understand, because I find these intergenerational conversations just have so much incredible value, and it's just such a wealth of like teaching from each other and learning and seeing how we can benefit each other in our lives and how to reach out to others too because it is there is gaps within each generation where the thinking and the worldviews don't always connect and it's very hard to understand each other because there's so many things coming into it so mm -hmm. it's really great to have an opportunity to kind of look at all these factors that influence our worldview so that we can understand each generation better and learn about how we can really serve um, the city and these people. Mm -hmm. um, through the research, yeah, a lot of things definitely spoke to me. Um, some of the things being like our generation really being driven by fear as a factor mm -hmm. was very interesting because mm -hmm. I do think mm -hmm. that plays a role um, 
And it did remind me a lot of things. I've heard a lot of people talk when the millennial generation was younger, how they all grew up with the Disney idea of like, life is perfect, you could be whatever you want. And our parents' generation or Gen X did grow up in a time of like prosperity. So we were told that our future would be so great. And once mm -hmm. we got here and the, the, the millennials got to that older age and started working, Life just wasn't like that. We had right. housing crisis, mm -hmm. the wages haven't gone up, all our hopes and dreams, they housing. definitely aren't reality. So I think in some ways our generation learned that even if you follow the rules and like listen mm -hmm. to all these people, reality is different. And I think that's part of the fear and the aversion to like structure. Things have really changed even within business. The hierarchy structure has changed so much with our generation. People aren't staying in the same job as much and moving around i think yeah in some ways this generation is very lost because the structure that mm. was taught to us isn't working for us so you're, you're basically saying i agree with you but i think you're basically saying like my generation gave you a bill of goods <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh dad and mom what did you tell us it's like fantasy like you mentioned disney world um yeah fantasy land Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a common sentiment, especially when the really? news or mm. people talk about millennials. Mm -hmm. I don't think we all agree to it, but I do see that kind of common line mm. throughout a lot of people's I, lives. Really? Yeah. And wow. almost kind of like this like entitlement to like, mm. um, like we should be having like, you know, our own places or we should be having a good paying job just like our parents. But mm -hmm. we're like very clearly on like a different path, like a lot of our friends are not able to move out on like a single income. Like they usually have a partner if they're going to like buy a new place or rent a place. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just this like entitlement to like entitlement and like privilege, I think. So you're saying you guys feel like you're entitled or like. I wouldn't say I feel entitled, but I would definitely say that I know that I'm privileged mm -hmm. like to be able to do the things that I can like, you know, for me, like leaving a full-time job mm -hmm. and then coming to Vancouver with no job or like kind of half a job mm -hmm. remotely is like a very privileged thing to do. Whereas like our parents, I feel like would have just stayed in that full-time job and like worked hard, yeah. you know, built up their family. I w yeah. I think for me, when I see, I think on generally like my, my generation, when we talk about millennials, when you guys are not listening, <laughs> I think that word entitled comes up mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. lot. I think you guys probably can pick up on the airwaves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the, yeah, these older guys are thinking we're entitled, but then, yeah, we're also suffering. And I think, yeah, that's why I want to understand. I don't know if you're entitled. I think if you're in Africa, you'll feel you're very privileged if you had what you have here. And then you translate that to Africa, but that's relative. Mm -hmm. Like my my daughter, we used to always, I used to tell her like, don't all eat all your food, because in Africa, that food that you're eating is worth like fifty dollars. That's half a wage, half half the a monthly salary of a teacher. And she's she always like she's very strong headed. She'll look at me and go, "We're not in Africa. <laughs> We're in Canada, right?" And so. Yeah, it's all relative, and I and I don't want I don't want to see people that way. And I teach young people in my classroom, and they're driving around Beamers, and some of them drive around Bugattis and Mercedes, and 
So I'm looking at the parking lot and I'm driving my Kia into the parking lot. And uh, yeah, when they complain, it's hard for me to conjure up that empathy. I think it's like rooted in my Christian ethic to be em empathetic. But <laughs> as a human being, if I wasn't a Christian, there would be no empathy for you. Mm -hmm. You are very privileged. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to think like that, but what are, what are your thoughts about that? I think the, like, the entitlement perspective mm -hmm. giving on millennials, yes, that's definitely largely in news headlines about our generation. And, yeah, I think a little bit like what I said, it was really about the expectations we were raised mm -hmm. with and, like, our lives will be better than our parents' lives and that mm. kind of dialogue changing very drastically as we grow up but even with yeah we do have so much privilege and even those nice cars it really is from the parents generation of wealth right it's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think this generation doesn't have like a five-step plan of how to live a good life mm -hmm. whereas i think our parents have more of the idea of university degree get a job with a pension even there mm -hmm. were like set paths that you could go down that mm -hmm. kind of guaranteed you a certain type of life that we don't really see as many of those options for us so mm -hmm. it's really trying to find a way to live a life like our parents and the ones we grew up with and being able to even provide that for our children right in the research like our generation is getting married so much later and having children or decide not to have children. And largely that has become a financial decision. Mm -hmm. Whereas that wasn't as big of an issue in generations past. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I, I, I feel for you because I mean, my son just graduated UBC. I won't say what degree he got, but he graduated very proud of him, but you know, he got a job that's completely unrelated to his degree, <laughs> yeah. not even remotely, not even in the vicinity, not even in the ballpark, completely out of left field. And yeah, he has a full-time job now. And So sometimes you wonder, like, why did I spend all this money on your university degree? But maybe he wouldn't have got that job if he didn't. I, I don't know. But mm -hmm. I, this, this generation is like... Yeah, leaving jobs really quickly. There's, mm -hmm. there's, you know, I, I read a study that millennials are ghosting their bosses. They're not even, <laughs> like, <laughs> telling them or giving them the due respect to, like, actually, actually say, mm -hmm. I'm leaving. <laughs> They're just not showing up and leaving after a few months if they don't like it. Yeah, those are things that I, I never even considered when I was growing up. Like, mm -hmm. I, I have all my university friends... Um, yeah, we had our heyday when we were younger, but we just never considered that. We Those values were not instilled in us. I, I think we, we just never thought that way. We just had like a plan, but maybe that's what you're saying. Like the plan that you gave us is not working, but the plan that my parents gave us worked. Like it worked. It's yeah. just kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. Get a university degree, go to graduate school, and then you'll work and you'll have a good career. So. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm all my friends, they're, they're all working in the areas that they have studied. But I don't know. I, I'm, I find that very interesting that the plan is not working. And I feel like nowadays there's just like so many more jobs out there that like 
none of us would have imagined there's like you can be a data analyst but there's like a data analyst for the data analyst you know mm. like that kind of thing or like what is there's like what <laughs> <laughs> there's like crypto there's like entrepreneurs oh, crypto. Oh, there's man. like just so many things <laughs> that are emerging crack, no. that kind are of worms like open <laughs> there's so many things that are emerging that like yeah we never learned like when we were growing up it was like what do you want to be a lawyer a doctor a yeah. firefighter uh-huh. like but the now traditional yeah, yeah there's just so many more jobs than i think we imagined. i was just talking to a millennial he's getting really getting high up in his company very smart guy he's talking he's taking over the crypto mm-hmm. in his company and mm-hmm. he was talking to me for like 15 minutes about crypto explaining everything <laughs> like he's like i was interested in crypto like investment wise and he like I said, you lost me at hello, buddy. <laughs> as soon as you said crypto, I was gone. Like my eyes were just like a deer in the headlights. Lost me at NFT. <laughs> lost me at crypto, Ethereum. Crypto. I'm, blockchain. I, blockchain. Yeah. What are you talking about? Bitcoin. You know what? If I invest in crypto, you're the man. I'm just yeah. gonna give you the money, and you you take care of it. But I. Not the best time right now, but yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he thinks it's a good time. I. Well, yeah, yeah, if you want to get in low. Anyways, let's not get anyways. into the crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's for another I promised episode. my dad on his deathbed that I would never get into cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh, really? But he said Bitcoin because that's all he knew. <laughs> oh, your dad so knew? So literally, if I want to obey him, I just don't have to go into Bitcoin. Ethereum, Ethereum. I know that much. Dogecoin. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not disobeying his command. <laughs> Ethereum. Well, having, having said all that, I think... Yeah, it is very interesting how um, you guys feel let down in some ways. And But it says here, what is, what, what is most important for millennials is like family. And religious faith is like, well, one of the questions they ask millennials is, what, definitely, what is definitely something that you're willing to sacrifice your life for? Family, freedom, friends, so and faith. Your country is like pretty down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody's gonna <laughs> die for their country. <laughs> so if Canada goes to war, war or something, it, U.S. invades, we're in big trouble. We'll just ghost everyone. All the millennials will ghosting, <laughs> swim swim to Hawaii or something like that. Very interesting. Well, okay, for those who are listening, this is the uh, research report by George Barna, and it's uh, new insights into the generation of growing influence, which is the millennials in America. Mm-hmm. So it's. Um, it's it's uh, put on by the Foundations of Freedom. So just to give context if people are interested. Yeah, I want to talk about that. And I also wanted to talk about, like, why is family so important? Um, and mm-hmm. religious beliefs are so low. It's one of the lowest. And also some t- statistics about um, mental health issues I really am concerned about. Mm-hmm. So I, I think... Um, it was 40-some percent under 18 that I was going 49 through. 49 or 46. Yeah, yeah. One Thank in you. three. One in three. That, those are the statistics I, I read a while back, too, just in North America. One in three, but, yeah, just the millennials are going through some uh, some real mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And so I want to try to figure out, like, I was talking to my daughter the other day when she slept over. Yay, I love it when my daughter sleeps over. So fun. Then she was 
educating me on what's happening okay. to the mental health issues, but I don't want to speak for her, but she has some really interesting insights. Uh, mm-hmm. She thinks it's all about parenting. Mm. It's like, it's just all, all about like, she, she's, her friends are concerned for her because she's really overextended. She's doing, she's in sciences and she does a lot of work. And so they keep telling her like, take some mental take some self-care like mm-hmm. you know and she's like self-care what are you talking about? i'm fine i don't need <laughs> and then she you knows she has some resilience like it's right. something that i taught her well that's the biggest difference i think you've shared like the, uh, between gen x and say the millennials right mm-hmm. like gen x has a lot of grit and they grew up in an environment where you just tough it out don't really share and speak about your feelings mm-hmm. or almost, I don't know if it's like repressed or whatnot. And then it's almost like the opposite mm-hmm. um, for millennials where it's like, ah, uh, you know, if you feel a little bit of anxiety, just take the whole day off. I mean, to, to that extreme. Yeah. See, I don't so, want to, ge- I don't want to generalize, but sure. that is the perception. But here, here's the statistics. Mm-hmm. 29.4% 29 of young millennials age 18 to 25 are counted as having some type of mental disorder. Okay. 8.6% of young millennials, 18 to 25, report a severe mental illness. Mm-hmm. And 49.5% of American adolescents ages 13 to 18 are reported to have one or more types of mental illness. That's a big number. Mm. That's like one in two adolescents, 13 to 18. Okay. And I, I, I wish I had this study here, but there's been a lot of reports of like suicide amongst 18 and under during COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't think COVID caused them to commit suicide. I think the underlying mental health issues mm-hmm. were exacerbated f- during the pandemic. Yeah, and absolutely. that's why people are like I agree. going through it so much more. It's exacerbated. It's like so much more prevalent now. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think about that? I can't remember if the study was saying this, but something about how like you, sa- you were saying that like Gen um, X, was mm-hmm. Gen X, I yep. was like super like gritty. And then because of that, like, they didn't want their kids to, like, grow up that way. Mm. So they were like, oh, like, you know, you failed a little. Like, let me help you out right there. Right. Like, right. you feel sad. Like, I'm going to make you feel better right away. And then maybe because of that mindset, like, we grew up thinking there was a quick fix solution to everything. Mm. And almost that, like, we want that. Well, like, not saying, like, we, but, like, maybe millennials mm-hmm. want this, like, instant gratification rather mm. than, like, realizing that, like, the delayed uh-huh. satisfaction is like even better, like not seeing the long-term goal in it. And I see that like. Do uh, you see that in your friends? Do I you see, see that, that in my friends, and that's mm-hmm. something that I've learned for sure. Uh-huh. Um, How much do you think social media plays a part in that conditioning, though? Do, do you think do you think that's a big factor, or or not? I guess not really. It could, because like everything's so instant. Uh-huh. You know, like you like a photo, literally, uh-huh. not even less than a second later, your friend will know. Like it's. See, I'm glad you're saying that as a millennial <laughs> and not I'm not saying that I because noticed. you said that if I said that people are there's yeah, an automa- automatic defensive posture. Right. But you're saying that. So I'm like, oh, OK, I'm going to really. It's anecdotal, but the studies here, I mean, people have cited this. And so we're uh, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the cause causative nature of their correlations, but. Um, instant generation, I guess all of that. I have I have a theory. I'm gonna talk about it tomorrow, but I believe it's uh, and uh, disagree with me, but I believe it's because you guys are there's a plethora of information and you're confused. I agree. I think there's just so much information out there, and even 
like not wanting to speak too much into it, but like this war between Russia and Ukraine, Mm -hmm. like every other Instagram story is either what's happening in Russia and Ukraine? How can you help out? Or like, Mm -hmm. these are some charities that you can donate to. Or Mm -hmm. like, what's really happening? And like, or like, how can you better understand this? Um, and then people make like monetary value out of that too. Like they make these, you know, mm-hmm. people probably make fake Instagram accounts, like donate here mm-hmm. or like share this post and we'll like donate this like amount of money or we'll plant a tree. Like there's so mm-hmm. many of those that are just fake guys. They're exactly, fake. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think even at a base level as a generation who really grew up with the internet, it's such an overload of information that just hasn't happened before. And I think that really contributes to the anxiety that our generation has, because before the accidents or the things that happen are usually you find out through the local news or you really just know what's going on in your town. But now Mm -hmm. every day there's something going on Mm -hmm. somewhere in the world and it can feel very overwhelming and Mm -hmm. things feel feel more real or more likely than they actually are yeah. when you're just not aware of those you're things. I think you're you're not as shielded as when we grew up and because we didn't have instant access and yeah. you actually had to read the newspaper. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad reading the newspaper every single day and I was I thought he was crazy. Like why are you reading the newspaper every day for like hours? Mm-hmm. And I was just, I just went out to play. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I was just oblivious. But now I know like, you know, ten year olds are looking at stuff and and oh. you know it's so much so much information there's no end like with social media there's no like you can just you know if you're watching the news you could turn it off and mm-hmm. it's over if you're reading the newspaper you can only read so many mm-hmm. pages till it's mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. but in social media and like the internet in general you can just keep googling forever mm-hmm. and like swiping forever like just falling down into like a rabbit hole of like reddit or something mm-hmm. isn't the term doom scrolling is that is that a relevant <laughs> yeah. is that a relevant term yeah I don't really use that term. No, <laughs> no, okay. That, that's what I heard from <laughs> I one of my friends said. Like I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, what's doom scrolling? Yeah, that's you uh, just look at more and more of the news and get sucked into it. Yeah. 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 I mean, as with current issues, I've just been watching Twitch streams of news networks all day, just absorbing it. Oh, does Twitch have news too? Yeah, a lot of okay. people covering like live streams of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think it's almost like an expectation for our generation too. Like we can't avoid it. Before it used to be like you want to make sure you're watching the latest TV shows so you mm-hmm. have something to talk to your classmates about. But now like even if you want to turn it off, there's like a obligation to know what's going on or else you seem mm-hmm. like ignorant or not caring about what's going on. But it can be very overwhelming. So it's kind of like virtual sig- virtue signaling, right? Like, I, I know, if I don't know, I feel sh- there's going to be shame that's going to put be put upon me. Like, there are certain values that I need to have, and I have to align to that. But what does it do to you that you're bombarded with information that's negative? Like, even social media influencers, they're, like, giving you body images and showing you what looks beautiful and what is good clothing. Like, what does it do to you that you're bombarded with that 24-7? You can't escape it. Unless you throw away your phone and internet and... Oh, I think that's the biggest challenge that we have in our generation right now is this mass source of distraction. Like, mm-hmm. it's constant information. So how do we regulate that? Like, we don't even have proper etiquette mm-hmm. or, like, phone etiquette or social media etiquette. There's no rules to it. So it's, it's like, in us all the time. So then we don't, we don't have the tools to, like... Unless we're really good at self-awareness to, to notice, okay, this stuff that I'm you know, 
exposing myself to is is affecting my mental health so then i need yeah. to take a break yeah. most of us don't take a break and so it just keeps feeding like garbage it's like drinking out so of a fountain how do you guys feel how, do you, how are you feeling because we're talking about mental health issues right and we're maybe trying to link this bombardment of information i have a theory i'm not i'm going to reserve that for later but <laughs> um like how do you feel about that how, like, how are you feeling when you're going through? Like, are you feeling happy after you scroll for like an hour? Like, are no. you feeling sad? <laughs> what is happening? Do you feel empowered mm. by the knowledge? Oh, uh, I wouldn't. Oh, it's me personally. Like, I don't really feel empowered by the knowledge. Like, I think it just like weighs down negatively on me if I read too much into it. Or like, it really impacts me. Like, because I think, at least for me, like I feel people's emotions really deeply. So like even if I watch a video of like someone being angry at another person, like I will feel so scared for like the mm. rest of the day. Mm. For that, I know that's like a me thing. So then I usually don't watch videos like that. Like I'll read about things to know what's going on, mm -hmm. um, but I really won't like dig too deep into it. I would say mm -hmm. like I want to be informed, but I don't want to overwhelm myself with mm -hmm. all this information. What about you? I think. Maybe that's actually a flaw of mine because kind of like when Josh mentioned doom scrolling, I do like looking really deeply and gather as much knowledge as possible. Mm. And I, I think of myself as a very empathetic person too, but even when I hear news stories where it talks about like a hundred lives gone, I try to put myself in the state of even one of those people because mm -hmm. I never want to think of a hundred people as just a number to mm. compare to other disasters and like remember that each of them are human but it does take a lot out of you I mean maybe I have yeah. more of a pull for that but even the um, ferry incident in Korea I thought about that for like three years keep researching and seeing and oh, listening wow. to the really? stories mm -hmm. I just couldn't let it go mm -hmm. so I think it is super impactful and I don't know if we really know how to deal that with that in a healthy way because mm -hmm. there are things that we want to stand up for and are super relevant to us like the environmental issues mm -hmm. but then there's other disasters going on the in the world and we've been taught not to be a bystander and not mm -hmm. to turn a blind eye mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. but that actionably what can we do right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i think That's there's like, there's a definitely that happening i, I mean it was, it, i think it's crosses generations once you get, you know, socially aware and you're you're actively engaging in global affairs and I don't need the internet to do that. You just read books. I think mm -hmm. reading books is much more informative and accurate rather than just scrolling the internet. <laughs> so that's my generation. We actually uh, read Joyce. the read the whole book. <laughs> Joyce has a lot of books. Oh Joyce. Awesome. I like to, it's yeah. like a library. That's great. I love knowledge, whether it's good for me or not good for me. It's good okay. for you. It's knowledge great. is always okay. good. But you know, I feel like it's not the amount of information, it's the right information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. Um, one of the reasons I, I withheld lots of information from my son, that's not information, options. It's because I wanted him to focus. Mm -hmm. And so, like, a attention deficit happens when you have too much choice, mm. Mm -hmm. too much opinions, mm -hmm. and then too many opinions make you confused. If you went to a car dealership and then you had 20 cars to choose from, you're going to be paralyzed. That's why Netflix is one of the, a great invention, but one of the worst time killers ever, because you're scrolling... <laughs> 
for 30 minutes to find a movie and you just wasted 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the olden days, when I, had, when I was in university, I had a black and white t- TV that was 10 inches. All I had was CBC. I was just so happy in the CBC when the hockey game came on or a movie came on. I'll just watch anything because it was something. See, I think there's like that there's too much option causes some kind of like angst and, and, and like you're not. So children, psychologically, if they have too much of that, it, it causes like anxiety because they're not ready to handle that information. Okay. And I surmise and I propose that you young generation in your 20s are not ready for the responsibility of changing the world mm-hmm. to that degree um, in the sense like I want you to be socially aware and active, but you have to pick your cause and you don't know what you're going to be passionate about until you really research and figure out what God is calling you to do. We cannot save every, everybody and, and, every, and we cannot partake in every cause, but what is God giving you? Like that's the beauty of like following Jesus. He's giving he will give you the cause of for your life. And in a sense you can, you know, like kind of ignore other things, be aware, but to engage like emotionally, mentally are are things that reserve for I think people who are more mature that have understood this principle and like I d I don't Sometimes people accuse me of being cold. I'm like, well, oh, you don't care about that? Of course I do. I care about everything. But I'm not engaged in every single cause because I have my own causes. And you're like, you're not doing, you're not doing the things you're supposed to do. I'm doing the things that God is calling me to do. And I probably, and I, I challenge them. I've probably done more socially, uh, socially uh, social justice things for like the world probably than you. I've traveled the world. And then the things that God called me to do, just because I don't ascribe to your cause doesn't mean that I'm not socially awake. Mm. So I think that's my one of my like working theories. Mm. It's just too much information, too much choice, too many problems, right. overwhelmed. I think you're just going through like children, anxiety, mm-hmm. because you're trying to solve it, but then you realize, I can't solve the world. Like... And so that's why we need Jesus. Coming back to that's the pastor I was just in me. Coming say, so what's the solution? Yeah. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us give us a worldview and our point like his point of view right. for our lives and what he wants us to do. Right. I think that is the key. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I do think it is an unfair idea that has been happening always to put it on like the younger generation even gen z's now we keep telling them that they're going to change the world and they're the social justice Mm. leaders and um even like greta with the environmental stuff like they're so Mm -hmm. young and we we put all our hopes and dreams of them Mm. and it's really almost like parents tend to do that with kids sometimes too and you're right children kind of have to find their purpose and what they can have the capacity for and that drive and I think that is a really valuable part of the Christian worldview as well. Yeah. It's in some ways it's like hmm, not giving you something that you are not able to handle. 
And I think there are a lot of issues, especially as young people, that we feel like we cannot tackle alone. Mm -hmm. And we go to um, community or try to get together and work on it together. But a lot of these things, you just need a partner with God because really mm -hmm. he is one who can kind of make them possible happen. Yeah. And I think that's something a lot more people near here, instead of feeling like that burden's all on us, mm -hmm. we're never really alone in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that God's given us, everyone, each person, a lot of different strengths and gifts. Mm -hmm. And I think to start is to know what those gifts and what your strengths are that God has given you mm -hmm. and to see how you can find, like the best quote-unquote option slash your purpose for life because apparently millennials have problems searching <laughs> for their purpose, which I do agree. Um, and I think that's how to start with it. Yeah, like partnering with God, knowing your identity too mm -hmm. is so important. Um, and yeah, and I think through that you can really find out your cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. It's a working theory. I mean, there is, you know, I'm, I'm a professor, so... Everything, there's no causative. It's just all correlated mm -hmm. correlations, especially in social sciences. But I, I do feel strongly about it. And I, I do see children. Uh, I have never seen young children acting up so much in my whole life. <laughs> I, I, You know, my children acted up, but, you know, we never tolerated that. I never beat them or anything. I just ignored it. I never paid attention to it. I never... I'm like, you can act up all you want, but daddy's never going to change his mind about the situation. And so they realized my acting up is never going to get anything. I just have to figure out negotiation tactics and mm -hmm. compromise. And and so, but I've never, I've never seen so much. Like I just walk around and I see so much. And because it says here millennials, and I'm just going back to this topic here, millennials, um, now one third of them are parents, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm just wondering, like, how are you parenting? Like, you're, if you, it's a, the Bible talks about the sins of the fathers and the mothers passed on to the generation. So, if you are beset with anxiety and mental health issues, uh, it's transmitted. Hello, excuse me, people. <laughs> it's going to be transmitted. Whatever you're feeling, they're going to feel from the womb post-womb they're gonna feel it in their home in your facial gestures you don't even have to talk about it it's just gonna emanate from you so we really gotta deal with this because I'm concerned about like I started this church with my wife for my grandchildren's children and that's the vision I have to the th third generation so I'm hoping Rain City will last until my great-grandchildren and they will be a new type of generation like a beacon of light in a generation. And if we going, keep going this way and 49% of 18 and unders are like having mental health issues, then what, is that, what does that say about the next generation? Mm -hmm. The Z or then what, what's after Z? We go back to A? I, I, don't I think it was Alpha I just read. Oh, Gen A? Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. so we go back all the way to Alpha. <laughs> I guess so. So I'm hoping the Alpha generation will be a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping for my great-grandchildren to be a beacon of light because I'm trying to impart into my children uh, some resilience and a different kind of worldview and some, some mental like acuity and strength so that it's not passed on. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I'm, 
I'm just concerned about this next generation coming. ZA, ZA, and then if they're not, it's not dealt with, it's going to be, what are we going to have? Like 69, 70% of grand, like children in the future generations going through mental health disorders? I, I'm just, I just want to say, I go to Africa every year. There's no, there's no mental health disorders to this degree in abject poverty. Mm -hmm. Can I just say that right now? This is a, like a first world issue. Mm -hmm. This is not a developing world issue. Mm -hmm. Just want to say, kids are in Africa in the village with no shoes. Give them a ball that's like ripping apart. They're happy for hours. You introduce the internet to them, then they're going to get depressed. So you think yeah. that's the main factor? Uh, I don't think it's just the internet. I just think it's, it's family. But it's not just family. It's the transmission of values. Mm. Certain values that are transmitted to your children, to your children. It's, it's not genetics, but it's called memes, right? It's M-E-M-E-S. Mm -hmm. -E -E it's Memetics, yeah. Yeah, it's not Twitter memes. It's memes. <laughs> the real memes. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's encoded values subconsciously or consciously or unconsciously passed on to your generation. And it's strong. It, it is almost as strong as genetics. For example... If you grow, if you, you know, Becca, you're going to have children one day. Uh, if you don't deal with this, you don't identify it and you change your value systems, you're going to raise your kids just like your mother. Mm -hmm. Even if you're like, I'm never going to raise my child like my mom. She was a, wow, she's such a control freak and a tyrant and beat me. You're going to find yourself controlling them, beating them, and you're going to get depressed on you sitting on your bed going, what was that all about? <laughs> memes it's been passed on to you mm. and the bible talks about it as sins of the fathers before mm. they knew about memes we know we just we just call it i just call it sins of the fathers and mothers passed on so really have to think about that in the future and that's why i'm also doing this podcast to hopefully transform minds and think about different ways to think about the world and your values and so forth I definitely see it too, like a lot of like reparenting is what like I guess our generation calls it. Like how do you stop like in the non Christian context, like that's what they talk about. Like how do you stop those patterns from happening again? Like how do you stop, you know, like if you have like um mother or father abandonment issues, like how do you like reparent yourself and like mm -hmm. learn that you're in a safe environment kind of thing? Like there's a lot of that in the internet too. Oh, really? Yeah. That's very interesting. It's almost like the non-biblical way. <laughs> that is very like interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I have something to say about that, but you wanted to say something, Joy? Uh, I actually had two things I'd like to add. Go ahead. A bit about the past and the future. Mm -hmm. I think when you talk about how our generation has these issues that mm -hmm. in other countries you just don't see... I think a lot of it is like the Maslow hierarchy of needs where at mm -hmm. the bottom it's mm -hmm. all about roof and food, mm -hmm. shelter, those basic human needs and survival. You're not thinking about self-actualization or who you are, or your identity or your potential as much. And it's strange because in a way these issues are a reflection of our privilege. And exactly. Mm -hmm. um, That's what I always think about too. It is. Okay. Because our parents, sorry to, no, go ahead. Our parents no, go ahead. literally laid those foundations down for us. Like they gave us no. 
all the needs at the bottom mm-hmm. so like we're not even like thinking about that anymore we're just like at like the middle slash top of the triangle where like we're just thinking about self-actualization basically i actually saved a photo of the pyramid yeah so oh it starts gosh. at the bottom is your physiological needs mm-hmm. food water security next yep next is security safety and then after that is relationships which is in the the study that we're reading about was what we find most yeah most satisfying. people are, most people are not even going to actualization because that takes a long time You're, mm-hmm. most people are going for self-esteem yeah so this explains you know the situation in africa versus like western countries or first world countries yeah, I actually found the greatest example that's really relevant in Vancouver is the immigrant generation that has kind of come over here and then <laughs> their kids. Yeah. It's been really interesting to hear about all the stories of immigrants in Vancouver and how right. the parents' generation, they also have mental health issues. They have a lot of those, but they suppress it because they're in survival mode. <laughs> and it's the generation down that uh-huh. has all this privilege that their parents uh-huh. like gave to them really through all that hardship but Mm. because these children are able to even think about these higher needs they're now coming with a better understanding of mental health and actually working backwards in terms of generational patterns they're starting to take care of their parents Mm. mental health and teaching them about it and i think that kind of i wouldn't really call it activism but that kind of movement in vancouver i've been really inspired by in helping parents that like culturally there's so many gaps generationally there's Mm -hmm. so many gaps but working backwards so that the future can Mm -hmm. carry less of those burdens Mm. Mm -hmm. i definitely agree with that like our generation is really like at least i know from a lot of my friends too just talking to their parents and like helping their parents like process what they're feeling or learning more about how they feel beyond just like your daily conversation like how is your day Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. well that's awesome I wanted to kind of close up and then maybe we can tackle it on our next podcast too. But I I really was interested in what you said about reparenting. That's kind of like what what we're trying to do in our uh, uh, rain city and something that I never, I didn't want to do. I mean, that's one of the things that I believe this generation needs is to be reparented. That is the hierarchy of like the Jewish culture. There's the nation of Israel. There's 12 tribes. Within each tribe, there's clans. And within each clans, there's like this, it's called the Father's House. I know it's male-dominated, but that is the Old Testament culture. So we're going to talk about mothers and fathers, household, mm-hmm. right? So, but it is an extended family, but there there is like a concept of like God created this like family dynamic to raise children with extended family, uncles, and there's adults in the family. and But there was a patriarch and a matriarch that, really instilled like biblical values, godly values, and they transmitted like who they knew Yahweh or God to be. And when when that stopped, you can see the demarcation points. When that stopped, like in jo- Judges 2, when Joshua's generation passed away and the new generation came, it says they did not know God as Joshua knew God. And that's when all hell broke loose. And that's when mm-hmm. chaos happened. Mm-hmm. And so... And it's always like that. So there needs to be this idea of like uh, reparenting. How do we find that? I believe it's, you know, mentors and advisors. and But I also think it's um, people who've been called into the pastorate. 
the Christian ministry mm-hmm. to represent mm-hmm. God the Father. But it's amazing to me when I see the statistics here. Uh, how much millennials trust influence to tell the truth or do what is right? Pastors are like 26%. <laughs> um, um, like they only tell the truth 26% of the time and sometimes 28%. Not too often, 23%. And never 14%. So 37% of the people out there, well, even sometimes, so 28, 23, let me do my math, 51. So 65% of millennials think that pastors like sometimes tell the truth. Hmm. And or not, don't, they don't tell the truth. Like only 26% say that pastors or Christian leaders always tell the truth. So it's like a distrust in... Trist, it, distrust in Christian leadership. Okay. Exactly. And I yeah. feel like the enemy has done a work in that area uh-huh. um, and had a lot of good fodder to work with mm-hmm. throughout the generations in, in Christian leadership. But it's, it's like that cancel culture it's, it's like, okay, these pastors, we have a few examples, and the media blows up these Christian leaders, and they're, and how could they be so, such hypocrites? But, you know, 90, 95 to 99% of the pastors I know have a sincere, like, dedication to God, and they're working for meager funds to, in Vancouver, mm-hmm. suffering for the love of the gospel. You know? I've done, I've, I could have been a lawyer, <laughs> I should have been a lawyer, maybe. But God called me to ministry, and then I've been doing this for 27 years. And sometimes I feel like, oh, when I see my friends and having a big house and driving, like, nice cars, I'm like, you know what? I got better grades than you. I should be doing that. Mm. But it, I think a lot of us, we, we, it, it, it is, like, something that um, people don't understand. Mm-hmm. That there are a lot of people that have a sincere desire and not narcissistic. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about altruistic narcissism a little bit later. There is such a thing. And pastors are known to, are known for that. A third, uh, like a percentage. Not everyone. But I, I think a lack of like authority figures to give b- biblical worldview and tell the truth like it is. That's why people say I'm a polarizing figure. And I'm happy about that. I think that's why we come to Rain City, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I'm polarizing. Either tell the truth or not to tell the truth. I mean, tell the truth, and if you like it, take it. If you don't like it, whatever. But it is my way of reparenting, right? So I think for the next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about that, what it it means to reparent. Mm -hmm. What does this generation need? What are some values that we want to instill in them? And... What are the worldviews that they have? I really feel so privileged to have Becca and Joyce here. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I like learned so much today, giving me insights into the minds of the millennials. Great. <laughs> like, I was confused, but now I have I have anecdotal evidence. They're sitting right in front of me, telling me their thoughts. So, hope you guys great had episode. Fun. This is good. All right, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed the first episode. Be sure to tune in next week and have a lovely day.